I could not allow my nieces, I could not allow the little girls that I go home to, I could not allow victims of verbal abuse and worse to see that, to see that excuse and to see our Congress accept it as legitimate and accept it as an apology and to accept silence as a form of acceptance. I could not allow that to stand, which is why I'm rising today to raise this point of personal privilege. Coming up on the Janice Adams Show, our American condition. Representative Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez takes to the floor of the House, hashtag dangerous women and men. First, the news. Hi, I'm Janice Adams. Welcome to a somewhat unusual edition of the show. Let's face it, there's nothing usual about what we're experiencing and feeling these days. As the coronavirus pandemic continues to seize, on average, 1,000 American lives each and every day, as election fever turns to furor, as the silly season, as it is known politically, turns deadly serious, as the four freshman congresswomen of color known as the squad, whose election victories broke barriers of race, gender, and or religion, energizing progressives of every hue, are once again being targeted for attack. As a basket of deplorable racist sexist tropes are hurled at them, trumped up charges, literally, allegations fabricated as he has so many times before by President Trump. All this added to his unrelenting bullying of them as hashtag nasty, hashtag low IQ, hashtag dangerous women told to go back where they came from, three having come from New York, Ohio, and Michigan, one at age 12 from Somalia. Which way, America? What and who do we believe in? Who are we as a people? That's the question ricocheting the corridors of this election season. As we choose a president, vice president, 35 of the 100 senators, the full 435 member House of Representatives, plus down-ballot state and local officials, who are we and who would we become? To know the condition of a people, it is said, one has only to know the status of its women. What is the American condition in these Take America Back Two Days of Donald Trump's rise and America's fall in stature worldwide? If the treatment of women at the highest rungs of government is any indication, we have a lot to think about as we mail in our ballots, press our levers, and pull back the curtain on who we are and who we would be. As symbol and symptom, an incident on the steps of the Capitol both sticks in my craw and offers signs of hope. Today on the Janice Adams Show, hashtag dangerous women and men take to the floor of the House of Representatives when one of their own, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, is verbally assaulted in the most sexist and racist of terms on the Capitol steps for speaking to the needs of her constituents rendered poor and mute as the pandemic strikes down disproportionate numbers of low-income Americans, that demographic itself being, after centuries of systemic racism and denial, disproportionately people of color. The next day is word spreads of Representative Ted Yoho's infraction propelling the Florida Republican into damage control mold. He takes to the House floor to deliver an apology that isn't. Let me take a moment to address this body. I rise to apologize for the abrupt manner of the conversation I had with my colleague from New York. 
It is true that we disagree on policies and visions for America, but that does not mean we should be disrespectful. Having been married for 45 years with two daughters, I'm very cognizant of my language. Not so cognizant, however, to admit calling Ocasio-Cortez an F&B on the steps, an incident overheard by a reporter for The Hill, a nonpartisan news outlet. The following day, Ocasio-Cortez, joined by many of her Democratic colleagues, take to the floor to make history, change the narrative, and flip the switch on toxic male privilege at the highest levels of government. Here are her remarks in full. I was walking up the steps of the Capitol when Representative Yoho suddenly turned a corner. He was accompanied by Representative Roger Williams and accosted me on the steps right here in front of our nation's capital. I was minding my own business, and Representative Yoho put his finger in my face. He called me disgusting. He called me crazy. He called me out of my mind. He called me dangerous. And then he took a few more steps, and after I had recognized his his comments as rude, he walked away and said, I'm rude. You're calling me rude. I took a few steps ahead, and I walked inside and cast my vote, um, because my constituents send me here each and every day to fight for them and to make sure that they are able to keep a roof over their head, that they're able to feed their families, and that they're able to carry their lives with dignity. I walked back out, and there were reporters in the front of the Capitol, and in front of reporters, Representative Yoho called me, and I quote, a fucking bitch. These are the words that Representative Yoho levied against a congresswoman, the congresswoman that not only represents New York's 14th congressional district, but every congresswoman and every woman in this country, because all of us have had to deal with this in some form, some way, some shape, at some point in our lives. And I want to be clear that Representative Yoho's comments were not deeply hurtful or piercing to me because I have worked a working-class job. I have waited tables in restaurants. I have ridden the subway. I have walked the streets in New York City. And this kind of language is not new. I have encountered words uttered by Mr. Yoho and men uttering the same words as Mr. Yoho while I was being harassed in restaurants. I have tossed men out of bars that have used language like Mr. Yoho's. And I have encountered this type of harassment riding the subway in New York City. This is not new. And that is the problem. Mr. Yoho was not alone. He was walking shoulder to shoulder with Representative Roger Williams. And that's when we start to see that this issue is not about one incident. It is cultural. It is a culture of lack of impunity, of accepting of violence and violent language against women, and an entire structure of power that supports that. Because not only have I been spoken to disrespectfully, particularly by members of the Republican Party and elected officials in the Republican Party, not just here, but the President of the United States last year told me to go home to another country with the implication that I don't even belong in America. The governor of Florida, Governor DeSantis, before I even was sworn in, called me a whatever that is. Dehumanizing language is not new. And what we are seeing is that incidents like these are happening in a pattern. This is a pattern of an attitude towards women and dehumanization of others. So while I was not deeply hurt or offended by little comments that are made, when I was reflecting on this, I honestly thought that I was just going to pack it up and go home. It's just another day, right? But then Representative Yoho 
decided to come to the floor of the House of Representatives and make excuses for his behavior. That I could not let go. I could not allow my nieces, I could not allow the little girls that I go home to, I could not allow victims of verbal abuse and worse to see that, to see that excuse, and to see our Congress accept it as legitimate and accept it as an apology and to accept silence as a form of acceptance. I could not allow that to stand, which is why I'm rising today to raise this point of personal privilege. And I do not need Representative Yoho to apologize to me. Clearly, he does not want to. Clearly, when given the opportunity, he will not. And I will not stay up late at night waiting for an apology from a man who has no remorse over calling women and using abusive language towards women. But what I do have issue with is using women, our wives, and daughters as shields and excuses for poor behavior. Mr. Yoho mentioned that he has a wife and two daughters. I am two years younger than Mr. Yoho's youngest daughter. I am someone's daughter, too. My father, thankfully, is not alive to see how Mr. Yoho treated his daughter. My mother got to see Mr. Yoho's disrespect on the floor of this house towards me on television. And I am here because I have to show my parents that I am their daughter and that they did not raise me to accept abuse from men. Now, what I am here to say is that this harm that Mr. Yoho levied, it tried to levy against me, was not just an incident directed at me. But when you do that to any woman, what Mr. Yoho did was give permission to other men to do that to his daughters. He gave, in using that language in front of the press, he gave permission to use that language against his wife, his daughters, women in his community. And I am here to stand up to say that is not acceptable. I do not care what your views are. It does not matter how much I disagree or how much it incenses me or how much I feel that people are dehumanizing others. I will not do that myself. I will not allow people to change and create hatred in our hearts. And so what I believe is that having a daughter does not make a man decent. Having a wife does not make a decent man. Treating people with dignity and respect makes a decent man. And when a decent man messes up, as we all are bound to do, he tries his best and does apologize. Not to save face, not to win a vote, he apologizes genuinely to repair and acknowledge the harm done so that we can all move on. Lastly, what I want to express to Mr. Yoho is gratitude. I want to thank him for showing the world that you can be a powerful man and accost women. You can have daughters and accost women without remorse. You can be married and accost women. You can take photos and project an image to the world of being a family man and accost women without remorse and with a sense of impunity. It happens every day in this country. It happened here on the steps of our nation's capital. It happens when individuals who hold the highest office in this land admit, admit to hurting women 
and using this language against all of us. When we come back, more from the floor of the house, hashtag dangerous women on the Janice Adams Show. Trying to make it real compared to what... Trying to make it real compared to what... We're back here on the Janice Adams Show with this unusual broadcast of the history-making, narrative-changing, switch-flipping events that happened on the floor of the House of Representatives when Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat of the Bronx, refused to tolerate the abuse of a Republican colleague. Hashtag Dangerous Woman. Here she is, introducing one of the many colleagues who rose to support her and the rights of women to dignity and respect. I thank my colleagues for joining us today. Um, I will reserve the hour of my time and I will yield to my colleague, Representative Jayapal of Washington. Thank you. Madam Speaker, that was brilliance, grace, intelligence, and complete dedication to what justice, equality, and dignity in the United States looks like. That is our colleague, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and we are so grateful to her for her voice. What my colleague from Florida did was unacceptable. It was violent. It was sexist. And I do believe he needs to apologize not because it's going to make our colleague, Ms. Ocasio-Cortez, feel any better, but because he, too, needs to learn what unacceptable behavior looks like and rise to the level of the office that he has been elected to. It does not dignify not just him, but the 750,000 people that he represents. And I thought, Madam Speaker, that it would be good to review for my colleagues a little bit of the history of the word that was used. The word that begins with a B that's five letters and that rhymes with which. That word. From 1915 to 1930, Madam Speaker, that word suddenly took off in usage, in newspaper reports and articles. And you know why? Because in 1920, this body gave women the right to vote. And that was just a little too much power for too many men across the country. And so all of a sudden, that word rose in prominence because God forbid that women would have the right to vote, that we would have power in this body, that we would have power anywhere in this country. God forbid that women would actually have a voice to speak out on issues that mattered and be the arbiters of what is fair and right and spoken with dignity and truism. And so that is when that word started to take off. Now, I want to be clear that this violent language is about power. It is about power. It's about exerting power. It's about wielding power over people. It is about fear of people who may well be smarter than you, harder working than you, and more dedicated to achieving justice than you. It just may be that. It may be that fear. It is about diminishing and disrespecting when you have no other tools to do so. And it's not new. Madam Speaker, you were right here managing time on this floor when I, as a new member of Congress, was told by one of my Republican colleagues that I was a young lady and I didn't know a damn thing about what I was talking about. You were right here managing the time for our side and you helped me through that moment. Thank you. And I did get an apology on this floor from my colleague across the aisle. I was also told in Judiciary Committee to learn how to read by another one of my members across the aisle. These are the things that happen to us all the time. These are not jokes. They're not little things. Not because they hurt us. We are way too strong for that. But because they say something about the caliber of person that is here in the United States Congress. Do you know, Madam Speaker, 
out of the 11,000 people that have ever served in the United States Congress, there are only 79 of us women of color who have ever served in this body. And yes, we bring a new voice. And so I say to my colleague, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, thank you for your grace and for your brilliance and for your dignity. And to everybody that is out there watching us and to our colleagues across the aisle, let me say this. We are not going away. There are going to be more of us here. There is going to be more power in the hands of women across this country. And we are going to continue to speak up. We are going to continue to say, Madam Speaker, we are going to continue to have a voice for people so that everyday working people, our sons, our daughters, and our mothers, and our wives across the country understand that somebody is standing up for them. And so, Madam Speaker, I believe Mr. Yoho should apologize. And I'm stunned, and yet at the same time, it's a pattern, and it's an old pattern. Thank you, Madam Speaker, and I thank my colleague. Thank you, Representative Jayapal, and thank you in, in giving the context of how these words and this language have always been levied towards the ascent of women uh, and women who are ascending in power. I now yield uh, to another phenomenal leader from my own home state of New York, Representative Nidia Velasquez. At times like this, it will benefit us all to remember what the word Congress actually means. Congress means a coming together. That is the entire point of this institution. People from different regions of the country with varying political views, individuals of different backgrounds come together to solve problems on behalf of the American people who elect us. That is where the word Congress originates from, a coming together. The words being discussed today did not live up to those ideals. And the gentleman must, must say that he is sorry. He must apologize. It is not to apologize to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. He must apologize to his wife, to his daughters, to women in this country. Today, our political discourse is too often infected with an anger and a malice on becoming of our democratic institutions. As elected officials, we are expected to do better, to act as an example of how we can debate passionately, but treat one another with compassion, dignity, and respect. I ask all of us to do better. We must do better. And I yield back. I'd also like to thank Representative Velasquez for her precedent and her leadership as well. Before I was a young Puerto Rican woman upending an incumbent, Nidia Velasquez was as well. And every single one of us as women have to stand on the shoulders and the, and the efforts made by other women who had to fight fight hatred, fight patriarchy, fight hateful men in order to simply exist in bodies like this. And so I'm also like to thank not only uh, Representative Velasquez, but Representative Lawrence, who is a leader in the Women's Caucus, ensuring that others and other women who will walk through these doors, not just today, but in generations to come, continue to be protected and amplified. And I, I yield to Ms. Lawrence. I stand here today in support of women. I stand here today condemning the words of, unfortunately, a colleague of mine. I want to reflect on history. The first African-American woman was elected in 1968, the first Hispanic woman in 1989. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we are here to stay. This year is the 100th year that women have the right to vote. For far too long, women and people of color have been subjected to being mistreated, humiliated, and trying desperately with words to minimize us. Women of color have traditionally been excluded from the halls of Congress. But I'm here today saying in a Congress where we have the largest number of women in the history of this Congress, our diversity is our strength and our unity is our power. You will see today speakers coming to this mic. Yes, we're standing up because of the words of one member, but I'm standing here today of generations of assaults, generations of abuse, and stand here proud as a survivor. I'm the little black girl from the east side of Detroit who was raised by a woman who was a grandchild of an emancipated slave. I'm not scared of you. I will call you out, and I demand respect, and I will respect you, and I yield back. Thank you to my colleague from Michigan, Representative Lawrence. And as I had indicated earlier, that having a daughter does not make a decent man. Having a wife does not make a decent man. But treating people with dignity and respect makes a decent man. And I'm incredibly thankful to have the honor and privilege to serve with decent men in this body each and every day. And it is an honor, and I am thankful to serve with Representative Al Green, who is a sterling example of such a decent man, and I yield to him. Thank you. Madam Speaker, I'm 72 years old. I have no children. But if I had a daughter, I would name her Alexandria because my name is Alexander. If I had a daughter, I would want her to be bold. I would want her to be courageous. I would want her to speak truth to power. I would want her to be just like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The name means helper of humankind, and that is what she's about the business of doing. I salute her for the positions that she's taken. Madam Speaker, I believe that what Ms. Ocasio-Cortez has said is something that all of us should take notice of. She spoke from her heart, as she usually does, by the way. A brilliant head with a compassionate heart. I'm proud of her. I will stand with her not only today, but in the future. I don't have to agree with everything she says to respect her dignity to respect her humanity. And finally this. I grew up in a home where scatology was commonplace. I don't think scatologist is a word, but if such a word existed, there were many scatologists in my home. Scatology is a word. And I learned early on how that impacts the psyche of people. This scatology with the B word is something that demeans every woman when it is used. I will stand against it, and I will stand with the Honorable Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I yield back the balance of any time that I have. Thank you, Representative Green. Um, your words brought tears to my eyes. I think that the relationship, particularly between fathers and daughters, is a very sacred one, and it's a very special one. We really are at a watershed moment in this body. We have mourned the loss of two great leaders of this body. John Lewis, we sat on this floor last night for hours on both sides of the aisle talking about his greatness. And what did he call us? He called us a family. A family does not talk to each other as Mr. Yoho had talked to Ms. Ocasio-Cortez. We mourn the loss of Congressman Elijah Cummings, who said, we are better than this. 
And we are better than this. We are the most diverse Congress ever in the history of this country. 24% of us are women. 8% of us are women of color. Now, where does this all come from? It comes from the top. It comes from the White House, who calls women crazy Nancy, or such a nasty woman, or a low IQ person of a colleague of ours who serves as a chair of a committee. A crazed, crying lowlife. Our colleague, Mr. Yoho, conducted himself like a hit-and-run driver. And he does not want to take responsibility for his conduct. We are not, as women in this house, going anywhere. We are here to stay. We belong here. And we will demand respect for Ms. Ocasio-Cortez and every other woman in this house who has been demeaned by a colleague, whether a Democrat or a Republican. It is not right. And we can do better. I now yield to Mr. Pocan of Wisconsin, who is also the co-chair of uh, the Congressional Progressive Caucus and another wonderful champion um, for all people. Earlier this week, a member of this body attacked another member over their viewpoint. But it wasn't the ordinary debate over ideology. It turned personal and misogynistic all too quickly. What was the egregious offense? She said what we all know to be true that poverty is a leading path to crime, that if you can't pay your rent or feed your family, you will do whatever you have to do to survive, and you could turn to crime so you aren't homeless or so your family doesn't starve. That's called survival. And thanks to our nation's disastrous response to COVID-19, more people aren't working, and that will cause poverty. Pretty simple, honest logic. Well, one member not only took offense to that truism, but they also took offense to the person who said it in the most frightening manner. By swearing at someone and calling them an effing bee, you don't denigrate the person you are attacking as much as you denigrate yourself and, honestly, this institution. And by not properly apologizing for that incident, you further dig yourself into a dinosaur-sized misogynistic hole. And for the Republican Party to not deal with that member swiftly and strongly, you show a greater problem with your party. It is likely not a coincidence that half of this body looks more like a Mad Men episode than a representative governing body for the greatest nation on the planet. This country is not just made up of older, white, wealthy men alone. We are a rich tapestry of genders, races, sexual orientations, economic backgrounds, and more. We can't be afraid to look like the very country we represent, and smart women, smart women of color, shouldn't make you afraid. They should make you proud of our nation and proud that we finally, finally are starting to look more like it. And if somehow the combination of truth if our actions in this body on issues like COVID, if done improperly, can lead to joblessness and poverty and could lead to more hunger and homelessness and potentially crime, if that truth, combined with a truth-teller that looks like the nation as a whole, as opposed to this Congress, if that scares you, well then learn how not to be scared or figure out your next career. Because we've got more of this coming. Truth-telling and representative democracy, and it couldn't be coming quickly enough, I yield. What we are seeing here is a resounding rejection of abuse and accosting of women, but why is this only happening from one party? This should not be a partisan issue. Yet, when Mr. Yoho walked down those steps and accosted me and used these words, he was next to a Republican colleague, and that Republican colleague did nothing. He pretended he didn't even hear it when he had, in fact, jumped in. So not only did a person do it, but a bystander did nothing. And I have yet to hear 
from the leader of the Republican Party personally, I have yet to have gotten a call from Representative McCarthy addressing his members' behavior. I have yet to see Republican colleagues standing up for their daughters and saying that this behavior was unacceptable. So in the resounding standing and loud calls for justice, equally loud is the silence and the pin drop from the Republican Party about this type of misconduct. We are not on the House floor today because of just one callous incident. Unfortunately, what brings us to this moment are the structural and cultural conditions, and yes, the very men that have normalized the marginalization of women, and specifically women of color, since this nation's very inception. Madam Speaker, patriarchy, it is a tool of oppression that's very much at home in the halls of this powerful institution. Not unlike the hostile working environments and harassment experienced by countless women across the nation who dare to speak truth to power. Today we rise for every woman that has dealt with these dynamics as a conflated part of their walk in life. Every woman that has repressed the painful rhetoric inflicted on our bodies and our lives. So suffice to say that these tired tactics to debase and marginalize are familiar. And yet, still we rise. Our forefathers and our foremothers, rather, the trailblazing women elected to Congress before us, equipped us to take on a world that was built on contradictions and injustice. Because of them, we have learned how to walk with our heads held high, our legacy defined by the laws we write and the good we do on behalf of those we serve. I first set foot in this institution at the age of 19. My mother poured into me a sense of reverence for this institution, of the awesome power that it held. I walked through hallways and still do, flanked by the statues of men that enslaved my ancestors in a building built by my enslaved ancestors. Madam Speaker, while there may still be some specters in this hallway set on upholding oppression and misogyny, I know that when my 12-year-old daughter walks through these hallways today, she sees my name embossed on a plaque outside the door and lit up on the voting board above this House floor. And she sees Tlaib and Omar and Chu and Jayapal and Escobar and Trahan and Underwood. Our very existence is proof that progress has been made. And yet, although in some instances we are better than we used to be, we are still not who we can be. And so with my eyes fixed, clear on the challenges of the moment, but clearer still on the promise of the future, I speak to our daughters, for they are watching and carefully taking note of how we respond in this moment. So in this moment, I say to my Cora and all our daughters, you are powerful. You are limitless. Your contributions to this world are brilliant, needed, and uniquely yours. Your ideas are substantive. Your lived experiences, your kind heart, and your critical eye belong at every single table where decisions are being made. You deserve a life free from fear and filled with dignity and love. You are not defined by your productivity or your chosen work. We affirm these truths to be self-evident that women are the backbone of every family, of our communities, and we are nation builders. We believe in you fully, without reservation. You have a right to show up in the world exactly as you are. And who you are is always enough. Cora, you belong everywhere. And I will close with the words of Reverend William Barber, who aptly points out that we find ourselves as a nation in a moment of reckoning, a reckoning which calls for reconstruction, old fights, but this is a new day. Let's build the world that Cora and all girls and women deserve, and let us begin with this very institution. When we come back, more from the floor of the house, hashtag Dangerous Women on the Janice Adams Show. We're back here on the Janice Adams Show with this unusual broadcast of the history-making events that happened on the floor of the House of Representatives. To know the condition of a people, one has only to know the status of its women. That's what this is about. Here's Congresswoman Judy Chu of California. I rise in support 
of basic human decency. There should never be a reason that anyone fails to meet this low bar. Turning policy disputes into personal disputes is dangerous. As leaders, we risk inciting violence in others. As Congress members, it indicates a focus more on fighting than governing. We should never utter comments that are misogynistic and hateful. This week, it was Congress member Ocasio-Cortez. But if we don't speak out against this tomorrow, it could be any Congress member who is a woman or person of color. And that's why this must end now. Thank you. Representative Lori Trahan of Massachusetts. For centuries, the House of Representatives has rejected personal attacks like those hurled at Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez on the steps of the U.S. Capitol earlier this week. This institution has maintained rules that hold us as members of Congress to a higher standard because that's what the hardworking people we represent expect from us, and that's what we owe to them. We must demand accountability like we are here today. That's what we owe to all women, especially to our daughters. We have to send the message loud and clear because apparently people still aren't getting it. The days of bullying women you disagree with, whether it's in a boardroom, in a newsroom, on a military base, or in these hallowed halls of Congress, are over. If my colleagues on the other side of the aisle don't believe me, watch. Watch as women band together to say enough to being publicly humiliated simply because they disagree. And watch as we make up for lost time by course-correcting the behaviors that women like us have had to endure so that our daughters and yours will never have to. And with that, I yield back. I'd like to uh, yield to uh, our majority leader who has stood up um, for every member in this body, um, and decency across party, our Majority Leader, Representative Hoyer. This is an issue of who we are as a people. Many women have spoken on this floor, but this is an issue for fathers. This is an issue for sons. This is an issue for brothers. I have three daughters, two granddaughters, and three great-granddaughters. They must not be confronted with this kind of attack. And that's what it was. Some have tried to demonize the gentle lady from New York who does, in fact, bring the intellect and the passion and the focus on issues, surprisingly, that the gentleman mentioned yesterday in his non-apology. All the men on this side of the aisle are supportive of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and all of her sisters and all of her mothers as well. I yield back. Thank you. Thank you so much, Representative Hoyer. And I would like to now yield to Representative Cheryl of New Jersey. The 116th Congress has the largest number of women serving in this body's history. 101 women serving in the House, 26 women in the Senate. And this historic class of women represents the broad and diverse America that we live in. We are all public servants. We all came here to serve our country and our communities. Policy differences are no excuse for personal attacks. And we know that some of the harshest personal attacks are often reserved for women of color. Furthermore, telling a woman, I'm sorry you heard it that way, is a cliche as old as time to belittle and dismiss women after attacking them. We have got to do better. We are role models for our children. I'm standing here not just for my two daughters, but for my two sons. Thank you, and I yield back. Representative Barbara Lee of California. As an African-American woman, I personally have experienced a lifetime of insults, racism, and sexism. And believe you me, this did not stop after being elected to public office. It's past time that this body understand that women of color are here to stay. The impact of using this language 
against any woman dehumanizes women and girls and sends the message to other men that women are valued less than a human being. Now, my mentor, Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm from Brooklyn, New York, was the first black woman elected to Congress. But you know what? She would not tolerate such behavior. And she had to fight oftentimes alone against such despicable language and behavior. Well, Congresswoman, we are here today with you. We are here supporting your right to speak out, to represent your constituents, and to be who you are, a brave and bold member of Congress, which we know you to be. Now, the gentleman from Florida, yes, he must apologize to you, Congresswoman. He must apologize, though, to all of the little girls who aspire to be who they are, to be who they are without being called disgusting names, to keep their voices silent. I close with reading you just one verse of our beloved Dr. Maya Angelou's poem, Still I Rise. I'm reminded of you today. She said, you may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes, you may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I'll rise. So yes, Congresswoman, you have risen once again. Uh, with that, I yield to another incredible, uh, resilient, passionate leader, uh, Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota. Like Alexandria, I was raised by a dignified man who told me that I deserved equality because I was an equal human being to my brothers. I am appalled often, like Alex was, when we hear men say, I would never do this because I have a wife, I have a daughter, I have sisters. You don't only respect women because they could be your mother, they could be your wife, they could be your sister. No, you respect women because they are an equal human being to you. That's how my father raised me, and that's how Alexandria's father raised her. Nearly every woman in the world has experienced verbal abuse, not just once, but since they were little girls. We experience it on playgrounds, we experience it on workplaces, we experience it on our social media feeds. We see it coming regularly from the President of the United States. And now we see it coming from his partisan lackeys. In this body, we have seen men who are afraid of Muslim women like me and Rashida Tlaib. Because we say proudly that you cannot ban us from this country because we pray differently than you. They are afraid of women everywhere fighting systems of sexual harassment through the Me Too movement. They are afraid not just of us, but losing their own power. It is no accident that Alex was verbally abused for speaking up for poverty in her district and its relation to unrest. Because when you push power, power pushes back. When we speak for people from marginalized communities, we understand as people who come from those marginalized communities. And that is a threat to those who wield power against marginalized communities. I yield back. Thank you again to so many members who have shown up today in support. And although not everyone has been able to speak, representatives uh, Castro, Deloro, Barragan have, have also risen, uh, along with many, many others. Um, and I appreciate everyone's presence. And with that, I'd like to yield with Representative Clark um, from Brooklyn, New York. Clark. Oh, the other Clark. My apologies. I yield to Representative Catherine Clark of Massachusetts. <laughs> we like that there are so many women and women named Clark that we can be confused. The behavior, the language, the assault wielded against my colleague was disgusting, inappropriate, and endemic of the toxic masculinity that permeates our culture and our country. It was an attempt to dismiss her, her role in this body, and her position altogether. 
All women have experienced this to some degree, but so often it is women of color who are singled out. We will not accept this behavior anymore. This is our house, and we are claiming our space. I yield back. I yield to Representative Rashida Tlaib of Michigan. Gaslighting my colleague in our country won't work here. I rise to tell my sister in service, I believe you. I believe you not just because reporters happen to be standing there to hear the sex attack, but because I believe women across our country when they tell us of the violence they experience at the workplace. Violence against women in politics specifically is a global problem. I know. I would invite any of my colleagues across the aisle to answer the calls into my office for just one day to hear the vile, sexist remarks made about me and other women serving in this chamber. When my colleague from Florida made the remark in question, he echoed and perpetuated those sexist, violent calls. Madam Speaker, we must condemn in the strongest terms possible this kind of violent sexism so that women and girls across the country know that there is no room in any workplace, not in Congress, not anywhere. the history-making, narrative-changing, switch-flipping events that happened on the floor of the House of Representatives when Congresswoman Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat of the Bronx, refused to tolerate the abuse of a Republican colleague. Hashtag Dangerous Woman. Thank you for joining us today on The Janice Adams Show. From the studios of WJFF Radio Catskill, post-production Jason Dole. This show is a production of Janice Adams, LLC, All Rights Reserved.